mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6. We're going to be beginning in verse 14. If you'll remember with me as we closed out our last lesson, Jesus has sent out His disciples, sent them out by twos, give them instruction. Really all the instruction was basically to get them to trust and grow in their faith, to trust God and grow in their faith. And what were they supposed to be telling people? They were supposed to be preaching because we preach to the unsaved. We teach the saved. That's what we're doing now. We're equipping the same. But they were supposed to be preaching to the people that they should repent. Metanoia. Repent. Change of mind. Change of direction. You don't just change your mind and turn from sin, but we change our mind and turn to God. We turn to His provision for the sin nature, the blood of Jesus. We turn to His his blood for our salvation, and then we continue to follow for discipleship or sanctification. So important that we understand this, that it's not a one-time prayer, comes a life, a way of life, if you will. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So many in our churches today uh, believe they say a one-time prayer, and then they can do anything they want. Some people have heard the gospel. They warm their hands at the gospel. They go to church and live as if they know the gospel, but they've never come to salvation through the gospel. And you're going to have to bear with me here. See, repent is not just listening to the gospel. Repent is not just saying, well, I agree with that. See, when you repent from the direction you are following... And it becomes obvious that fruit, fruit of repentance begins to grow up in your life. And so it's amazing how the Holy Spirit always takes different people and does different things. Even in our Gospels, the the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all cover our next text. But they cover it in a different manner. And in this manner, it's, it's prefaced by repent. And we're going to see that Herod listened to the gospel, heard the gospel. He even imprisoned the messenger that was given to him, but he never repented. But he stayed real close to it. 
He did many things about it. But he never made it the authority of his life. He never repented and turned to God. And so he ended up cutting the head off of the messenger that was sent to him. Listen to me. Very important that we don't cut the head off. Jesus is the head of the church. And we can sit right in the church and go on living the way we live. We've decapitated the head of the body. We've cut the head off. We've cut the authority off. We've cut the power off. We've become comfortable. Oh, yeah, sure, we've got it imprisoned in one little place in our life. We've got it in a cell where we look at it and we know where it's at. And when it's convenient, we bring it before us and we go, oh, it's Sunday. We get to listen to the Word again. But then it's back to life as normal. We never allowed Jesus to become the head of our lives. The head of our churches even anymore. They're just institutions that are run by men that have decapitated the power of the gospel. You know, you look around today and you go, man, they've lost their minds. Look what they're doing in the streets. They've lost their head. Look what they're doing in the church, Christians. They've lost their minds. They've lost their head. They've forgotten the word of God. And they're out in the streets with these people. They're apologizing to be politically correct. Politically correct. Their focus is on making sure that a society doesn't fall apart. While their message is being watered down to keep peace. Jesus is peace. The world doesn't need more phony Christians. The world needs us to preach the truth. The world needs us to stand up and preach the gospel message regardless if it fits the government's narrative. Regardless if it fits political correctness. Let's read, and I'll stop getting way out ahead of myself. Repent! They went out and preached. Change your direction. Change your mind. Turn to God and His authority. You've been under the authority of the devil. That's who, that's who the head was, was the devil. It's Mark 6.14. Now, King Herod heard of him, Jesus, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. Others said, it is a prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. 
Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him. But she, did, she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias, his daughter, her, herself came in and danced and pleased Herod, and those who sat with him, and the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give it up to half of my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And he said, The head of John the Baptist. She said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid him in a tomb. Let's pray. Father, Wake us up in the church as your people, Lord. Wake us up. Pour out your spirit that we would surrender and obey and allow Christ to be the head of our lives. Lord, that we would not lose our heads, but we would have patience and endurance and we would be those watching and waiting and looking for your glorious appearing. That we would live soberly and righteously in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation where we are to shine as lights. For we know that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, be in our right minds, righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, again, wake us from our sleep and give us light. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark six fourteen. Now, King Herod heard of him, and his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. First of all, he's not really a king. There was Herod the Great, and when he died, uh, his four sons inherited the entire area, and they split it all up. He's a tetriarch. He's just running a region. He likes to be called king. He wasn't a king. But he did hear, he heard, Jesus is doing all these miracles, healing people. He's sending out his disciples. His name has become well known. Remember, name is always your character, nature, and will, his authority. What he's doing is becoming well known. People, you can't hide it. He's in a little area of Galilee. 
This area where Herod's at is right where the Jordan would flow into the Dead Sea. It's where his uh, uh, headquarters was that we're talking about. And when he hears about this going on, his conscience is still messed up because of his sin. Because he had John the Baptist killed. We're going to get that narrative from the Holy Spirit. We're going to look back at what he had done. But now he's living and he's hearing about some other stuff going on. The move of God. And since he never surrendered to the message that John brought him. He never learned that there was one coming after him. That John was not even worthy to loose his sandal. He only listened for his own reasons and not to hear a gospel to make that the head of his life. He only listened to conform a God that would fit his image so he could go on living the way he wanted. So he never learned. Notice, notice how he can believe. Notice how we can believe in so many things. We, we don't want to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but we can believe John the Baptist rose from the dead. We can believe many things. When we're deceived, when we won't accept the simple truth, delusion comes when we don't accept the simple truth that God has provided a provision for the sin nature. It's in his son, Jesus. It's by the blood of Jesus. So his conscience being wrecked, it's unresolved. He can't deal with it right. He was tricked into Killing John the Baptist. See, we know the rest of the text already. I just read it to you. He's thinking it's John the Baptist come back to haunt him because he had never seen a just and holy man more than John. That had been his representative of God. That had been the one that he would stop and listen to even though he was a heathen. And so he falsely believed because he heard of these healings and what Jesus was doing and his reputation and his name becoming known that it was John. He's the only one that could ever do works like this. Others said it was Elijah. I don't know if you know, Elijah means the Lord is God, Yahweh is God. And others said it is the prophet. Notice it says the prophet or like one of the prophets. The prophet refers to Deuteronomy 18, 15, when Moses told the children of Israel as he was getting ready to finish his course that God would raise up a prophet like him. In fact, let's read about it quoted in Acts chapter 3. It's quoted in Acts chapter 3. I like the way that it is stated in Acts chapter 3. Something I like to share with Muslims. You can share it with anybody, but it's a good one for Muslims who thinks Jesus was a good man, who thinks Jesus was a prophet. It's 322. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Notice faith comes by hearing in all things, not in some things. He shall be your head. Your authority. Whatever he says to you, and it shall be that every soul, notice God is dealing with the soul, the spirit. He's dealing with the heart of a man. 
Every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. That's the way it reads in Acts chapter 3, 22 and 23. It's quoting Deuteronomy 18, 15. The question is, before you today, when you hear of the fame, when you hear the name of Jesus, who is he to you? Great many things are believed. As we talked about Friday night, so many people praying. Oh, I'm praying for this and I'm praying for that. But who is the God you're praying to? One of your own imagination? How are you praying? Are you praying according to wisdom? Do you know who this God is? Are you listening for His voice to understand, to comprehend, to turn to Him and obey Him, or just want to know the gospel? Listen, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27. It's not just that I said a prayer and now I'm a Christian. Jesus clearly gives us the plumb line. My sheep hear my voice. It's his word. They're listening for it. They're attuning their ears to it. They want to hear that voice to hear to obey, to hear to repent, to hear to turn, to hear to become like him. Not just to hear and go, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I think I'll go home now and do what I've always done. It's so that he can be the head of our lives. So who is Jesus to you? Is he a prophet? Is he Elijah? John the Baptist risen from the dead, Herod thought. might be mentioned that the Herod family was one of the most wicked families that there ever was, and no proof that any of them ever got saved, even though they were all over the gospel. They were all involved in it. Who is Jesus to you? Is he God in the flesh? Is he your Savior? Very important that we make that decision and call upon him and follow him and then begin to learn to hear his voice and obey him. Why is that, Greg? Because there's other voices out there. Even in the church, the spirit of Antichrist has been sent to deceive the elect if it were possible. In fact, let's just pop on over real quick and we'll knock this out and we'll come back. Let's go to Colossians Chapter 2, it's a verse that I like to, see my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Let me ask you whose voice you're listening to today. Because the Bible warns us to beware. Listen, beware. It's Colossians 2, 8. 
lest anyone spoil you, cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Listen. Listen. Who's your head? Have you decapitated the head of the church? See, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants you to say a prayer and sit around and hear the message, hear the gospel, but decapitate the power to get rid of the head and then just be the body, a form of godliness denying the power thereof. Look at this. Very important that we understand this. Beware. This is a huge warning to the church because we're in a spiritual battle. And everything about you wants to follow anything but Jesus. Listen, our mind, will, and emotion is geared toward flesh. It needs to be sanctified, and the only way to sanctify it is if we listen to the head and we follow the Spirit. We will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he tells us to be warned, to beware, lest anyone spoil you. You know what happens when you spoil children? You don't give them what they need, but you give them what they want. Oh, you know what happens. That's when they start screaming in the store and throwing stuff down, and you're, like, embarrassed, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, and somebody says, well, you should have parented them at home, and they would not have acted like that in the store. They would have knew what was coming. It's when you spoil. That's what the devil wants to do to us. Listen to me. Beware lest anyone cheat you, is the King James. And, and spoil is the, or excuse me, is the New King James. Spoil is the King James, and it means to strip or rob you. See, the devil wants to strip and rob you from hearing the voice of God, from obeying the word of God, and from being the people of God who has a head who is Christ. He wants us to be a body but not to have any power. How does he do that, Greg? Well, he does it. He spoils us. He cheats us. And it actually means to choose for oneself. See, you say, well, I've chose Jesus. I know Jesus. And, but when we cut the head off, we allow the devil to choose our mind, will, and emotions for himself and spoil us. Well, how does he do it? As we continue to get involved in the physical and we run out into the battles in the street and we think that we can change society instead of just win souls and make disciples, we get involved in all of these other things and we think that we're supposed to be societal reformers Instead of ambassadors for Christ, as if Christ was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Listen, how does he choose us? How does he cheat us? How does he spoil us? It's through philosophy. You've got to be real careful because you know what philosophy means? It, it, it means to be fond of wise things. It means to sit around and, and talk about the gospel 
and talk about things and go, that's so wise, instead of getting out and getting your hands dirty and doing the gospel. It means to sit around and philosophize on how we can have the perfect utopia and never to do anything. See, it's wise talking. But remember, Jesus, the head, is the wisdom of God. And that's what the church wants to have, is the head, the wisdom of God. Not just talk about wise things, but know how to use the the power that God has given us, the knowledge that He reveals to us at the right time in the right way. So philosophy, the devil brings up all kinds of these things. Let's sit down and have some more meetings about these things instead of telling people the truth. Empty deceit. Well, vain deceit, the King James, it just means it's empty delusion. It just means it's deception. It never leads to the cross. It never leads to any change. It sounds good. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I talked about this Friday night. I'll talk about it again if you guys would like to hear about it because I'm so politically correct. Sorry. But our society is in an uproar. And the very people that started the rioting are rioting over bad police officers. And then look what they're doing in Seattle. They fixed it all, haven't they? They started their own little country. And their police force beats up everybody that doesn't obey. I mean, I mean, they're doing everything that they said we shouldn't be doing. And we have insane leaders standing down and allowing them do it, to do it. Insane, I said that. They're probably insane and demonic. Because when you swear and you're voted in to obey the laws of this land, and that's why you were put in office, and you let people storm police offices and take them over and tell the police to stand down, do you really think you're going to get change? Do you really think it's going to get better? Now listen, I digress. Because that's not what we're here for. But there's Christians that think that this stuff is okay. I don't know if they're, they're trying to hasten the day. Is that what they're doing? Because Jesus said lawlessness will abound. Is that what the Christian's theology is? Is that if we get everything real lawless and, and everybody takes a knee and apologizes for being white or apologizes for having money or apologizes for being a Christian, that things are going to get better? It's insanity is what it is. But you know what happens? You get insanity when you cut off the head. When you're sick of hearing what the church has to say, when you're sick of hearing what God has to say, and you say, no, God, you've cut off the head. The head of all principality and power. And you begin to have empty deceit. You begin to have philosophy that leads nowhere. It's earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom that looks like it's very wise, but it's really just deception. You begin to have tradition. You know what tradition means? Transmission. We've been through this. I want to go through it again now. If you look it up, it means transmission. What's a transmission do with your car? 
tells it to drive. It moves the engine, the power forward. Listen to me. We cannot follow tradition of church, tradition of the world. You can't follow tradition of church. You got to be careful with tradition of church if you call it church. Now, I'm not talking about the true church. I'm talking about what we've been handed as the church. There's a lot of it that's tradition and it's falsehood that's been laid down in deceit because they had missed the head. We have to go back to the tradition of the Bible, tradition of the Word of God, and I'm okay with that transmission. But when you start following what somebody else has taught and wrote down in a commentary and you're following that and calling that the tradition of the church and saying we have to do this and we got to believe and look at the traditions of the fathers, there's entire church movement that that's what they do. Instead of following the word of God, they follow the tradition of the fathers. Insanity. But that's what you get when you cut off the head. We might be here forever. According to the basic principles, the rudiments. See, rudiments even is something that's been orderly arranged. It's an, it, it's an orderly arrangement of ideas. And it makes sense unless you've got the Spirit of God, unless you're listening to the voice of God and you understand already what He has called us to do. These little basic elements or rudiments of the world, they make sense. Yeah, it makes sense to do this. It makes sense to start a food bank. It makes sense to go do that. Did, did God say to do it? I mean, we're not talking about logical when you look in the Bible, most of the people that followed Jesus or followed God, they would go, that's really illogical. Why did they do that at that time? It's not about whether it makes sense. Whether it's an orderly arrangement, it's about what did God say? What did the head say? Because we're being led by the Spirit. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, once again, really easy to talk about, very hard to do. But we do not want to just follow things because they're orderly in arrangement. We do not want to do things just because another church is doing them. What has the head said for you to do? Listen, if the head tells you to do something and you say no, that's sin. It's disobedience. It's saying no to God. But if you just follow what everybody else is doing, you can pretend like, oh, I'm, I'm following God. No, we're following the PC crowd. We're following culturanity. You have to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. You have to begin to surrender to the head of all principality and power because he's the one that is completing you. You have to have a personal love relationship where you're looking and saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Thank you for your blood. You begin to talk to him. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Listen, I know them. That's a very, 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 very. That's the most important part of the gospel. Because many are going to get there, according to Matthew 7, and say, and he's going to say, I didn't know you. Be away from me, you who practice lawlessness and wickedness. It's a very important thing. I've even quoted John 10, 27 for most of my Christian walk. And I always leave out. And I know them. 
My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's what we typically quote. We leave out that important part about the relationship that he knows us. And that's way more important than saying, I know Jesus. Does he know you? So you can be spoiled, you can be cheated, you can be handed a false gospel that's based in worldly, sensual, demonic wisdom. It's not according to Christ. It needs to be according to the Messiah, Christ. For in Him dwells, lives, abides at home permanently all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in Colossians 2.10, you... You, personal. You are. This is always who you are. When you see you are and we are, it's who the church is. Those that are truly following. Those that are his sheep. You are complete. You are perfect in him who is the head of all principality and power. So important that we're not being spoiled And we don't think that following the American dream and getting the next phone, the next car, the next thing, getting everything that we want is the gospel. When in fact through much suffering, that's probably not getting what you want because none of us want suffering. Through much suffering shall we enter the kingdom of God. So through suffering, he is perfecting us. Through things not going right, He is perfecting us. Through things not being right, He is perfecting us because we have to look to Him. He is completing the work He started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. But we cannot decapitate the body. We cannot cut off the head. So who is Jesus to you? How are you finding that out? Is it because you're in the word, prayer, and fellowship and you're meeting with him and you're coming to know him and him in you? John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. What kind of fruit is that? Fruit of repentance? Let's look back at our text. Mark 6, 16. And when Herod heard, he said, this is John. Now, this is the second time the Holy Spirit's telling us that. He's convinced in his heart that this is John. Now, you know what John means? Yahweh is gracious. The Lord is gracious. It's good to know that because it's the grace of God that a messenger would come. Think about it for a minute. If we go out and share the gospel with somebody... If we're the ambassadors, it's because of the grace of God. Because that's not what we normally talk about. That's not what we always want to talk about. But John means the grace. The Lord is gracious. Herod heard and said, this is John whom I beheaded. Oh, I should have. Can you think about him doing that? Oh, I should have never done that. Oh, my goodness. Herodias tricked me into that. Oh, He's still laboring over. What are you still laboring over? What dog bit you? Listen, because if you're in Christ, you're forgiven. See, he never came to Christ. He's still laboring over his sin. What dog bit you that you're still looking back and blaming and calling that out every time something happens? See, that's what the the, the vain deceit and the earthly principles and, and philosophy does. Well, I'm an alcoholic, so I'll always be an alcoholic. 
and they give you permission to be an alcoholic. The Bible says in Christ you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. You don't have to keep looking back at the dog that bit you. You get a new life. You get a new hope. You get a new head. You get a new father, a new family. Unless, of course, you've decapitated that power from your life by listening to the lie or some false gospel and not beginning to build a personal love relationship with God. John the Baptist, and he's been raised from the dead. He's convinced of it. What are you convinced of that is totally false? Think about that for a minute. Ooh. Because a lot of the church are convinced of things that are totally false. They're not the gospel. I got to make up something to make this fit. 17, for Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John. Really? Why'd you do that, Herod? And bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias. Now that's just the female that's married to Herod. Notice it's Herod and Herodias. These are titles. Josephus says her name was Salome. I don't know that to be true. And she was his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now think on that a long time, too, because if it's his brother Philip's wife, then that means he's the uncle of her and married her. So you have incest going on. It's the uncle. Now many argue whether it was the same uh, parents. But Philip is actually Herodias, Salome's uncle, and marries her. That doesn't go over well. So his brother ends up marrying her. And so because she's mad at John the Baptist, he sends and arrests John the Baptist the messenger who's telling the truth, and throws him in prison. Well, what did John do? Verse 18, because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. John was a faithful witness. All he was doing was being faithful to tell the truth. And he didn't just do it in the church hiding. He did it right out in public. He did it to ruling authorities who weren't even part of the church. He told the whole world that it wasn't lawful to marry your brother's wife. Think about that for a minute. Long and hard. All he did wrong, and he's thrown in prison, and then he's beheaded is tell the truth. He was just being a faithful witness for Christ. He was just being an ambassador. The forerunner is what he's called. Look at John 1. Gospel, John 1, verse 19. See, here's the thing. The whole nation is actually looking for the Messiah. They're actually looking for this prophet. They're actually got their eyes open, but they're so blind because they've been lied to and deceived to, they've already decapitated God. The nation of Israel decapitated God long ago, and they've got some other God they're looking for. John 1.19 says this. Now, this is the testimony of John, John the Baptist, the two we're talking about. 
when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Who are you, John? See, he's out baptizing, preaching repent. He's dressed in camel's clothing, you know, locusts hanging out of his mouth. He's looking like a wild man. He doesn't look like any of them. He isn't acting like any of them. But everybody's going to him because it's the Spirit of God that people are going to him. Because he was sent by God to be the messenger. It wasn't because of the stained glass windows. It wasn't because of the loud rocking band. It wasn't because of any of the things that they were. It was because God sent him to be an ambassador. That's why people came to John. The same thing is said about Jesus. There was no comeliness about him. There was no comeliness. We don't use that word. But it was, there was nothing to look at him and say he's different from anybody else. It was the words that he spoke. It was his anointing because he was the Messiah. He didn't stand 10 feet tall. He wasn't six foot taller than everybody else. He wasn't this tall. He wasn't broad shoulder. Jesus was a normal Jew. And there was no comeliness about him that men should. It was the words he spoke. It was the anointing that was upon him. It was the point that God was sending him. To be the payment for our sins. And so John said. Verse 21. 20 of John. He confessed and did not deny. What are you confessing and not denying. By your actions and words. I am not the Christ. I am not your savior. And they asked him. Who then are you Elijah? Because they knew that Micah 4 5 said Elijah would have to come. And he said. I am not. Of course, Jesus said, if you can receive it, he came in the spirit of Elijah. Are you the prophet? Deuteronomy 18, 15 again. See, they've already been through this with John. I'll raise up a prophet. They're looking for this prophet to come. One like Moses. Remember, Moses was one drawed out. Well, Jesus came to draw us out of the world. And be the head of our lives, the authority of our lives, the Savior of our souls. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. You can go read Isaiah 40. Listen, that's who you and I are. That's who you and I are to be. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, and we're making straight the way of the Lord. We want people to see Jesus. We are sadly mistaken and messed up and doing it wrong if all they see is us. If all they see is a church and they come and warm their hands, and all they do is come because it's really nice, and they never get to Jesus, that's culturanity. That's false. We're making straight. We're getting every stumbling block. That's what, that's what people would do when the king was coming. They would clean the roads up. They would make sure nothing would hinder people from getting this, the king getting through. And all of our programs and all of our wisdom and all the things that we do and all of our dress codes and everything you can imagine that's not the gospel gets in the way of a heart repenting of their sin. And coming to Jesus. See Herod. 
was listening to John the Baptist. He is hearing him. He is convicted by the Holy Spirit. The text tells us he did many things. Maybe he cleaned up his act. But he never repented of this sexual sin, of being married to his brother's wife. And it's still on his heart years later. Maybe a year. Not sure how many, how long. She put him in prison, but it wasn't enough. She wanted to kill him. She wanted to kill him. Listen to me, because sin grows. You can make a decision when you hear truth. Oh, wow. I'm going to hang on to that for a minute. And then you put it where you want to put it, in your little box, but you don't obey it. And you just keep it there. But you never obey it. That's an interesting thing. I'm just going to keep that there. I'm just going to put it in prison. Not going to repent. Not going to turn to it. Not going to live by it. Might go back and forth to church, but I'm never going to stop. Look at it. Look what, look what the text says. Verse 19. Then Herodias held it against him, wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Let me just ask you what are you married to today? What are you married to that's keeping you from obeying the gospel? The two become one. That's marriage. The two become one. Much of the church is married to the world. Much of the church is married to all the ideas of the American dream. Much of the church is married to their sin. Much of the church and the world has heard the truth, but they're still married to their own flesh. They're married to philosophy. An empty deceit. They're married to the basic principles of this world, but they're not married to the head, Christ. And they take that truth that comes to them by John the Baptist, by an ambassador, by whatever it was that God used as a messenger, and they put it in prison, and they just hold it, and they warm their hands on that truth. And they do many things because of that truth. But they're still married to the wrong place, to the wrong person, to the wrong sin. They're still married to some other idea, and they don't want to divorce their sin. They don't want to get rid of their sin. Listen to me. And they sit around superstitiously. They know that they're married to the wrong stuff. And when they hear stuff, they go, he's talking about me. When they see something, they go, that's because of me. And they say, that's because of the dog that bit me. And that's because of this. And they come up with all these false ideas of why their life is the way it is instead of building a love relationship and knowing that he loves you with a never-ending love and knowing that he's going to complete the work in you until the day that Christ Jesus comes and you see him face to face. 
And you never come to the knowledge of the truth because you're still being superstitious and putting the truth that the messenger brought in a prison cage because you don't know what else to do with it. And it's because of something else you're married to. It was for that sake, so you could keep doing that. You keep putting that truth back over here in the prison cell. But you never fully come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen to me. That's what Herod's doing. Because he married sin, because he married somebody he shouldn't marry, because she's spiteful and she's hateful and she is death in itself incarnate because she's like Satan. She's a type of Satan. She didn't just want Herod to deal with it by putting him in prison. She wanted Herod to kill him. Who's the authority of your life? Listen to me, people. What are you married to that is actually leading you around by the nose instead of being married to Christ and allowing His Spirit to lead you? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Let's get a little, little deeper. Are you Herodias to somebody else? Let's get a little deeper. Are you being Herodias to somebody else? Because if you're the messenger and you're in Herodias, you're killing the message that you're giving to somebody. This is what Christians do. Think about it. We can be Herodiases. We can be married to somebody. We can be involved in their life. They listen to us. Instead of us being an ambassador and giving them truth and us leading them out and making the way straight, we keep them in prison. Jesus said it makes them twice the son of hell as they were. You guys heard about the morning that the devil showed up in church? There's one morning, seriously, the devil showed up in church. There he was on the stage. There he was walking on the stage, the devil. Seriously. It looked like a who concert. People started running out the door. They were running over each other, knocking chairs over, except for one old man on the front row. He just sat there. And the devil said, don't you know who I am? He said, yep, 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 I know who you are. He says, don't you know what I can do to you? And he says, yep, 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 I know what you can do to me. He said, then why ain't you afraid of me? He said, been married to your sister 10 years. Hilarious, isn't it? But he became comfortable even with the devil, with Herodias. And it didn't bother him. He wasn't worried about the devil. On the wrong side of it, though. It was normal. See, we become normal in the church instead of peculiar people. That when we see the devil, we say, the devil! See, that's wrong now. It's PC. It's not PC to tell people the truth anymore. It's not even 
That's not even the way we live. We're afraid to tell people that living together is false and it's against God, it's evil. We're afraid to tell people that you can't marry the same sex. We're afraid to speak truth in the church and that's the reason we're here. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't think you should talk about politics. You're going to offend somebody. Really? What am I allowed to talk about in your little world of God? What am I allowed to speak about? See, when do we we cut his head off? We put him in prison. The truth is in prison. When do we cut off Jesus' head? When do we cut off his power and authority? You start when you put him in prison and you don't want to hear truth. And you can go to church week after week after week. You can walk around and say, I'm a Christian, and I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and never do anything except put the Word of God in a little prison cell where you can, when you want to, when it's convenient, when it's an opportune time, you can bring it out and listen to it and go, oh, yeah, yeah. But you know what happens? When you listen and you're married to the wrong things, you're married to the world, you're married to some other ism, you're married to some other philosophy, eventually that is going to make you. It's going to deceive you into cutting Jesus' head off. That's what happened with Herod. He's trying to police somebody he's not supposed to be married to to keep peace in the house. And while he's trying to please Herodias, she's waiting. Because she has other plans. See, that's what the devil does. Oh, I'll let them think they're okay. They can keep going in that. And they'll be thinking they're fine. But see, the devil's a tactician. He's waiting to kill you. He came to rob, kill, and destroy. And he's just waiting for an opportune time. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? When he tempted Jesus and the temptations after 40 days fast, he said he went away for a more opportune time. That's when the devil comes back. Is it an opportune time? Look at this. Again, let's look at the intentions of Herodias, 19. Because you're married to something that wants to kill you. If you're not just married to Christ, if you're not just looking to be conformed into His image and be the bride that's getting ready for the banqueting table, and you're married to something else, it's waiting and wanting to kill you. Because it's all underneath the sway of the wicked one. But she couldn't. She couldn't kill him. It's just like the devil. He can't kill you. Listen to me. He ain't got no power. He ain't got no authority to kill you unless God gives it to him. For Herod feared John. Interesting, isn't it? Phobia. That's the word there, phobia. Phobia, to frighten, to be in awe of, in reverence of. Knowing that he was a just and holy man. So he knew he was from God. And he protected him. Anybody have the King James? He observed him. Observed him. He just observed him. Watching the gospel from afar. Watching the church from afar. Never getting involved. Listening to, just observing the truth. The just and holy one from afar. Listen to it. It's really interesting because you know what? The Bible gives us one command to go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe 
all things that I commanded you. That's what he's doing. He's observing him, but he's never going to repent. It's the same. It, it comes from that word, actually. This word comes from the word that's used in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. To observe, it means to obey. It means to obey. So he's got him locked away, the truth in a prison cell. The, the messenger that brought him the truth. And if he doesn't obey it, what do you do? You end up cutting its head off eventually. That's the next step to it. He's protecting the messenger from the killer, but he's not obeying the message. It means to keep closely together, to conserve, to, to conserve, or excuse me, to uh, conserve from ruin. It means to preserve, and that's really what the message will do for us. But we're not called to protect it. We were called to watch it and take it and give it to others. Notice he heard it. He did many things. He's convicted of his sin, but no repentance. He didn't change his mind. He didn't get rid of Herodias. He didn't listen to the truth. And he heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came. It's verse 21. You know what the word is there in the King James? A convenient day. A convenient. It's well-timed is what it means. It was Herod's birthday. He gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. Listen, it's opportune, it's convenient. That's what Herodias was waiting for. Just as the devil knows you, your sin nature and your bents, and he's just waiting, Herodias knew Herod. She knew all about him. She was married to him. And she knew his pomp. She knew his bragging. She knew his way of life and how on his birthday he was going to celebrate and I might be reading into the text a little since it's not given but how he was going to be drinking and showing off and bragging and talking real big on his birthday with all of the chief men and nobles of Galilee it was a convenient day she had been waiting for it. Nobody else knows in her heart that she's waiting for it, that she's got this quarrel against, that she's against John the Baptist and the truth. It's called an inward grudge even in the King James. Listen to me. Is there a part of you it's all over the culturanity church today. But is there a part of you that has this inward grudge against parts of the Word of God? The message that's preached, the Word that's given, the things that God's doing. Is there a part of you that kind of says, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I was listening the other day and, 
And, and I really believe that maybe people are born that way. And I really believe that, you know, that argument was a pretty good one. There's a part of me, I don't understand that part of the gospel. And I got this grudge where I would like to get rid of that part of the gospel. And, and I know that Pastor Greg or Pastor so-and-so believes this way, but I got this little inter-quarrel against that because I like those people that are living that way in that place for that thing. And I kind of have compassion for them. Listen to me. Listen to me. Christ is the head. It's his word. He knows what sin will do to us. And if you've got a grudge against something that the Bible says about your sin, or you're rebellious and you won't keep your phone volume turned off when you're at church, even when you've been asked to, I am a terrible person, ain't I? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. I'm just teasing you. The bad thing is, is I was doing a wedding once. Whose wedding was that? And I, and I, and I think my pastor called me, and my phone went off. And I'm like, I was crazy. Anyway, it happens. Listen to me. Listen to me. We have to believe the whole gospel. And we can't be mad at God because of the way he wrote the gospel. He's not, he's not being mean to us. And he's very long-suffering, and he's waiting on us to take the key that he give us, unlock the door, release the truth, and let it go free. Because if you don't begin to obey the truth of God's word, the devil is waiting to cut the head off of the truth. And really it has no power in your life because you're questioning it already. The only thing left to do is cut its head completely off and behead the messenger. And then you'll go to a different church. You'll go someplace where it's a lot easier to listen to. You'll, you'll go and, and pretend with the rest of the culturanity. And I'm not saying this church is the only church preaching truth. All I'm saying is, is you'll go somewhere else. Maybe you're listening to this on the radio or you're listening to it someplace else. And, and your church is telling you that. And you're getting ready to cut the pastor's head off. It's not the pastor. It's the word of God. It's the, it's the spirit of God speaking to you. That is telling you to stop and to repent and to surrender and to obey and observe the truth of the gospel. And stop waiting for a convenient time to destroy yourself. To cut your own head off. Because when you sin, you sin against your own soul. When you ignore the voice of God you disobey against your own sanctification when you stay married to the world and other things that you shouldn't be married to and become one with them they will kill you they will kill truth make no mistake it's going to happen when is the opportune time Verse 22, and when Herodias, 
when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Notice his braggadocious ways while he's drinking and his buddies are there. He also swore to her. He made an oath. Be careful with rash oaths. Whatever you ask me, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. Now, in the Greek, I'm told the wording is that she didn't just dance. And who does this with their... Um, would be, I guess, stepdaughter. Might not be any relation because of the two brothers being different brothers. But they say that she did a not just dancing like, oh, da, 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 ballerina, we're just performing like the entertaining arts. But this is a striptease in front of all the nobles and she's doing something entertaining. See, I believe that mom put it up, set all this up. It's not in the text but it was a plan because mom, Herodias, who's a type of the devil, knew the king's heart and knew what she was doing to deceive him because he was already messed up sexually, right? Because he's with his brother's wife. Just like the devil knows your sin, he knows your bent. He knows what's going on in your life. And he's setting us up to cut our heads off, to kill the truth. I believe she knew what she was doing. The mother put her up to it. She dances favorably where he's probably half out of his mind. I think you have to be to say, I'll give you half my kingdom, don't you? When he really doesn't have a kingdom in the first place. He's a tetrarch. He's under, you know, hire of Rome. What an opportune time. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm under your spell. So she didn't know what I want. Think about this for a minute. Think of how this bitterness in Herodias is. Think about her, uh, how, how so many things you could get. Think about it. Somebody's going to give you half your kingdom and you want to kill somebody that you're bitter and angry about? You want to deal with it, that your heart is that bad that, oh, let's kill somebody. You could have got half the kingdom. You could have had half my money. You could have had your future taken care of. I don't care about no money. See, it's all about the heart, isn't it? Guard your heart. It's all about the heart. That's what God's working on, your heart. She had labored with this bitterness that somebody would say something about her life and the way she wanted to live. See, the world's doing that now. They labor with the bitterness toward the church. The only thing that's going to save us is the rapture of the church. And I firmly believe that. See, I firmly believe, and there's a lot of people that are saying a lot of different things out there right now, but I firmly believe that my God has not appointed me for wrath. Does that mean I won't have any pain? I won't have any suffering? No, that doesn't mean that. But my God didn't call me out of darkness and begin to adorn me as a bride and follow the wedding ceremony where he's went away to prepare a place for us to consummate the marriage and then he's going to let me get beat up and look like I've been beat down the day before he comes to get me. 
So he's not going to put me through the wrath. He's adorning me to present me to himself. He's not going to let the enemy come in and break my legs and I show up to the like this. You know, he wants me to look my best when I get there. So I don't believe we're appointed to get beat up and look like a black-eyed bride. That's just my opinion. But it doesn't change the commands of the gospel to go and tell people the truth whether they kill you or not. Because truthfully, all they're killing is the body. And it's really your soul, your mind, will, and emotions that he is making look pretty. Listen to me. Is it going to be beat up because you're married to something else? Is it going to be beat up because you're cutting the head off of the message? See, that's what the churches are doing today. They're cutting the head off the message because they don't want to make anybody in the pews feel uncomfortable. They're afraid that they won't be able to pay the light bill if they preach the truth of the gospel. And they've also bought into the lies of the devil. And they begin to use earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to teach the Scriptures. So he makes this rash oath in front of these men that he's with. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me clearly. If you make a rash oath, humble yourself in the sight of God and say, oh, I'm sorry, I made a rash oath. I apologize. I'm not going to do that. You know how easy it could have been for Herod just to say no to Herodias? Just as easy as it was for Adam to say no to Eve. But he didn't. He let her have the conversation with another voice instead of the voice of God. He let her make the decision instead of choosing to lead. He's a weak leader, not a king. He only wanted the title so he could look stronger. Be careful with titles in the church, by the way. Most people that get a title stop doing what they were doing to get it. They're only working for it for outward appearance, not for sanctification of the spirit, soul, and body. So Shalom, if that's her name, went out and asked 24, ask her mother, what shall I ask? I've just been given a blank check. What should I ask for, Mom? Listen, mothers, I could have gave this message on Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could have gave it next week on Father's Day, too, because the father is pretty bad here. When the daughter asked the mom, the mom's life's been driven by hatred toward the messenger who brought the truth of the word of God. See, it wasn't like John did anything wrong. All he did was pointed out her sin. And all these years, or however long it's been, it's been a couple years probably, she's held this grudge. She's mad. She's waiting for a convenient time so she can move and kill him. Because that was her heart. 
And listen to me. Be careful. I have people that say, well, you know my heart. Yeah, it's exceedingly wicked. I know your heart. It stinks. I'd rather know God than your heart. And I'd rather know that God's working on your heart so you'll quit being stinky. See, it's not a good excuse when, when you do something wrong and then you go, well, you know my heart. It's not a good excuse to me. Because we do know your heart. Now I want to know what your intent was. But only God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. What was your intent? That's what I'm worried about. If your intent was this, we got issues because your intent is not godly. Sorry, had to get that off my chest. So her bitterness comes out and she says, the head of John the Baptist. That's what I want. Cut off his head. Anybody's any unresolved anger in your heart today? Think about it. Have anything you want. Would it be to be more like Christ? Would it be to put him in prison, put her in? Would it be to cut off? What's the unresolved issue in your life see because if you surrender to the truth of god you can have the peace of god and you don't have anything that doesn't need to be resolved it's already taken care of at the cross you leave it all at the cross and you become an ambassador you become a messenger you become a disciple you become one who's no longer living but you've been crucified with christ and it's no longer you who live but christ lives in you the life you live in the flesh you live by faith in the son of god who lives through you and for you because he loved you and you stop with all this unresolved anger well if i when i was younger if i would have had see that's part of the problem in our society right now instead of just allowing god's word to be the head of our life jesus is the word by the way we say no to god and we begin to find somebody to blame did you hear they, they're taking the guns from the cartoons? And they, the, the, the new cartoons they're going to watch when old boy comes out with a two before and goes, bang, 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 it ain't going to be no fun. Because that, you know what, I'm telling you right now, the reason there's so much gun violence in the world is because of Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam. How sad is that? But it's age-old sin. Let's find somebody to blame it on. Isn't that what Adam did? He said, the woman you gave me. No, you cut my head off. I was the voice in the garden. I was the one that walked with you daily. I was the one who said, eat of every tree freely, but don't eat of that one. I was the one who gave you the, the, the life and that more abundantly. And then you cut my head off. And you allowed Eve to listen to another voice, another authority. And you said, no, God. And that's how original sin happens. But when we say we are saying yes to God, now we're opening back up to His voice. Yet, we have unresolved issues in our life. 
because if my parents would have and that dog wouldn't have bit and that wouldn't have happened in my life and if I would have been in that town see that's that's where all of this comes from all of this animosity in society is we want to blame somebody else for the problem instead of just making a decision to do the right thing and be just and holy as Christ is just and holy to listen to God we come up with everybody's default who's next What's next? What will we kill next? Whose head are we cutting off next in our society? It's all the police department's fault. Cut them off. From now on, when you call 911 because somebody's breaking in your house, they're going to send out a behavioralist counselor to talk with them about their behavior disorder and how they shouldn't break into people's houses. And then they'll send them home, and everybody will be happy. The government will probably pay for your lock and your back door since it's been kicked in. Well, I'm just saying, this is what we're moving to with earthly, central, demonic wisdom. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but they're arresting the police and turning the criminals loose. That's because they've said no to God and they're under strong delusion and they think they have some utopia they're going to live and the devil is just destroying them. They have no hope. They have, they have unresolved issues that they can't deal with and the only place to deal with them is to deal with sin at the cross. And yet we have pastors bowing down in the streets with them and apologizing. I'm appalled by it. I am. I'm appalled by it. It's not the gospel. It's not the truth. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And I'm also very, very much offended that they're not putting these people in jail because they put me in jail as a young man for breaking the law. I deserved it. I'm happy with it. I wouldn't change it for anything because I'm who I am today because of it. But if I want to cut its head off, then we spoil people and we cheat people and we choose them. You behead Christ from your life. That's what we've done to the world. We've taken God out. We've taken the head, the authority, the creator out of our lives. And that's what psychology and the orderly rudiments of this world without God do. Basic principles traditions and her anger she's been waiting to kill John the Baptist forever immediately she came there's our word immediately it's going to be twice in the next couple verses she came in with haste not coming to see Jesus not coming to hear the truth she came back to the king I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Can you imagine his belly turning now? Listen, he's trapped. He's stuck. His sin has deceived him. And now he can either humble himself and repent in front of all of these peers. Or he has to continue doing what he was doing. And the king was exceedingly sorry. 
grieved all around, intensely sad. That's what that means. Herodias is waiting, lurking. The enemy is waiting, lurking in the shadows to destroy you. We can't have mediocrity in our Christianity. He's waiting for an opportune, well-timed. Well-timed is what it means. Exceedingly, sir, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. When you look it up in the Greek, it means he was determined not to refuse her. He was trapped. He wasn't going to go through the other. Because of those who sat with him in his seat of scorn. And he wasn't going to refuse after he made that oath. Again, who are you married to? What grudges are you holding? What oaths are you making? What trap is the devil setting for you? If you're not obeying and following Christ and getting into the word prayer and fellowship and confessing your sin, you're getting ready to have to cut somebody's head off. 27, immediately, there it is again, quick, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison. Brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl didn't even want it. Took it to her mother, who was the real enemy. So right now, the real enemy in your life is what you're married to that's not Christ. What you're trying to please that's not Christ. That's the enemy in your life right now. Who are you trying to please that's not Jesus? I remember when me and my wife, oh, she always hates my stories, but when we had first gotten together before, I think before I even got saved, and uh, we had been split up, and she was going to be baptized because she got saved. And and uh, she's looking at me, so she's probably wondering where I'm going with this. So are you. So am I. <laughs> I'm looking at her eyes and modifying it as I go. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, she just went and, and was crying because... Uh, she wanted a relationship with God. But we, she also wanted a relationship with me. And the pastor said to her, well, which one are you going to be more satisfied with? Just a simple wisdom. And it has to be God first. It has to be God first. And he's going to supply for all your needs. He's going to take care of the rest. He's the one that you want to please first. Not the Herodias's. Not the things that you're married to that are evil and wrong. 
be pleasing to God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. But you can't be living foxhole Christianity. It has to be diligently seeking Him. In the word, prayer, and fellowship. Confessing your sins. Looking at what your gifts and talents and ability are. Involved in the body of Christ. Allowing Him to be the head. And if you're not, you're already decapitating him because you're putting the, the truth in prison. And you're only using it when you need it instead of letting it be free in your life. And when you let it be free in your life, it sets you free so that you can release your grudges and your hates and your revenge and your enemies of their debt. So the girl did the dancing, and she got nothing out of it. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Buried him. Now think about this. This is a really interesting thought. This is faithful John the Baptist, the forerunner, making straight the way of the Lord. He is a messenger faithfully where he would speak it to a tetriarch. He would speak it to somebody who could take his life. And he did not care because he was serving God. And God allowed his head to be cut off. What's my point? God knows the future, but you don't. When his head was cut off, he was instantly with God. He finished his race. But what are you doing as an ambassador? What are you married to? See, if you're married to God, you want to be with God. If you're married to Herodias, you want to be with Herodias and her children. Who are you married to today, saint? Are you married to Christ? Whose voice are you listening to? You're still mad? You're still angry? You're still living in the past? You still have revenge in your heart? Still got some enemies? You still putting the word of God in prison? Are you letting it freely go into your heart? Are you receiving? Well, let me say it all. It's James 1.21. Lay aside, take off all filthiness and naughtiness, wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. It sanctifies your mind, will, and emotions. So that your heart, your physical heart, you and your desires will want to be with Christ. Not just your positional spirit that you believe, but your actual emotions and feelings. Your mind, will, and emotions is going to be more like Christ. I love that. The implanted word it comes from a word that means germination and grow to spring up. 
See, it's living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it's the heart that matters most. He's after your heart. So notice, Herodias' heart full of hate and anger, wanting to kill the messenger. But notice Herod's heart. He wants his sin, and he wants the just and holy also. And he never, ever repents. He allows his sin to destroy him to where his conscience is messed up, and he thinks that John the Baptist has risen from the dead instead of getting to see the resurrected Lord and Jesus Christ face to face one day. Father, thank you for your word. May we examine our lives and be married only to you in the spiritual realm. The only marriage that will last for eternity is the marriage of our spirit. Either married to you or married to the devil, sin, a liar, a man of sin. Father, we pray that our hearts would be married to you and that we would release others of their debt to us. That we would stop imprisoning your word and let it to run freely and have its way in our hearts. And that you would sanctify us completely and make us more like your son. Wake us up, Lord. Give us light. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Desire.